Well, good morning. Oh, well, I tell you, things are going to get crazy now. Just, just warning you. Uh, like, okay, it's this Friday is called Black Friday. Although Black Friday no longer starts on Friday, now you get to go to the stores on Thanksgiving Day, on Thursday. And I think Walmart opens at 6 p.m., if you want to know, Thursday evening. But I'm telling you, this is the crazy time of the year. I don't know if it is for you, but it is for me. We only have five more weeks until Christmas. Truth be told, Jill and I are a bit behind. It's no wonder my blood pressure is just a little bit high. But you know, this time of the year is really, can be some of the most stressful times for many, many people. I mean, you got the Christmas parties you got to go to, you've got, uh, you know, family coming over for a visit, you got to be ready for that. You've got, well, you've got memories of how the holidays used to be, and some of our loved ones we're not sharing those holidays with anymore. And so that can weigh heavy on our hearts. You've just got a level of tension that can kind of rise around this time of year. And we can find ourselves having a a short fuse, you know, like things kind of bug us a little bit more than they bug us before. We can feel like we're maybe a little more critical, like, you know, like why, why is it that I seem to be a little bit more tense around things? Uh, we can keep up a pretty good pretty good front normally, you know, you see people and you smile and you're kind of nice, but things tend to get under our skin a little bit around this time. And speaking of getting under our skin, I thought it would be healthy for us to examine exactly what is under our skin. Uh, You know, what's going on in our hearts. And so this morning, we're going to start a new series entitled Peeled. And uh, the, the concept is it's a study on the fruit of the Spirit. That if we are Christians, the Spirit of God is inside of us. And we, I, wonder, like, how is He doing in us? Especially around this time of year. How can we make sure that God is still having a positive impact on our souls. So we're going to reflect on the kind of fruit that is being produced in us. And we're wondering together over the next few weeks leading up towards Christmas, we're wondering, you know, um, is the Lord shining through us? When we think of the fruit of the Spirit, Is he producing his fruit? Or is he producing his characteristics in us? And so we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a a Bible handy, you can uh, follow along with me. Otherwise, um, they weren't produced by the Gideons, but we do have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that Bible and, uh, and keep it for yourself. But if you'd, if you'd like to follow along, I also have the scriptures up here on the screen. So Galatians chapter 5, I'll begin in verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16 says this, But I say, this is the Apostle Paul saying this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Notice the capital S there on Spirit. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit, capital S? Well, um, God is really known as one God in three persons. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, that's Jesus, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, capital S, is walking with or relying upon the Holy Spirit who is in us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.18 that we should be filled with the Spirit. That we should allow the Spirit to lead us. That we should yield to Him in our lives. Allow Him to direct our lives. So the way that I try to do this is I call on the Spirit of God to help me. So I say, Lord, would you help me? So if I need some extra strength, you know, that I feel kind of worn out, Lord, give me the strength I need. If I need some wisdom, I will try to call on the Lord to help me. Lord, give me wisdom in this scenario. Or if I'm looking at the Scriptures and I'm studying the Scriptures, so often I can kind of do it on my own strength, but it always works best when I say, Lord, help me to understand Your Word. That we call on the Spirit to help us even like in the moments of temptation. You know, Lord, rescue me from this temptation so I don't, don't fall to sin. There's so many ways in which we can rely on or depend on the Spirit to help us. And we will know that we, were, that we are walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, uh, relying on the Spirit, when we see the Lord and His characteristics shining in us, and through us. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, uh, jump down to verse 22 of Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So this morning, we're actually just going to talk about the first three there in the list. Love, joy, and peace. We're going to try to get a handle on them to see, are those things growing inside of us? So let's start with love. Now, the way that we're going to go at it is we're going to ask some questions around these three fruits of the Spirit and, and see if we have this kind of, of fruit growing in our lives. And so uh, with love, uh, there are so many different ways that we can describe love. I mean, you know, you can, you can have a brotherly love. You can have a, a romantic love. You, you, can, you can love in a shallow way and love in a deep way. There's so many ways to understand love. And so the question I think that we need to just kind of get at when we talk about love is this. Our first question is, how is our love selfish or selfless? Is our love, when we, when we think about the way that we love, is it selfish or is it selfless? That word love shows up in 446 verses throughout the Bible. And I was reading almost all of them this past week, and, uh, and I started to see a pattern. 
as I was reading where love shows up in the Bible. And there are some people in the Bible who truly love in a selfish way. And then there are others in the Bible who truly love in a selfless way. And I think the contrast of those two is most clearly seen in what is probably the most famous verses, most famous passage in all of the Bible. It's John chapter 3 and verse 16. John 3.16. Many of you maybe know this already, but it says this, For God so loved the world. He so selflessly loved the world. He, he so sacrificially loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent His beloved Son to this earth to die on the cross to pay our penalty for our sin. He so loves you and me that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you and me and then to rise from the dead to give us the gift of eternal life, which is a relationship with Him. He, he loves us so much He wants to have a relationship, so he, he mends the relationship through His Son and the sacrifice of His Son. And then this relationship can start today and last forever. Selfless love of God for us. But then you just jump down three verses and we have the contrast there. Look at verse 19. This is the judgment, Jesus goes on to say. That the light, that Jesus Himself and what He has done for us has come into the world. And get this, and men loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. This is a selfish love. They love, but they don't want to give up you know, their, their, their stuff. They don't want to give up their darkness that they're living in. They, don't, they, they want to make sure that they keep what they have. It's a selfish kind of a love. Greater love has no one than Jesus. When we walk in the Spirit, and when we let Him work inside of us, the kind of love that will shine through us is a giving kind of love. It's an unconditional kind of love that we share. It's a, it's, an, it's a sacrificial kind of love. It's a selfless love that grows in us. And it's driven, it's driven by a true desire. It's not that we do it because we have to, but we really want to. When God the Holy Spirit is growing in us this fruit of love, we'll see that we're loving one another and we're loving others the way that Jesus loves, the way that God the Father loves. And this pure love from a pure heart leads us really to the next question. Do we have an exception clause in our love? When you think about loving, do we love to a certain degree, but there's always a sense of exception? Let me explain it through an Old Testament king. There was a king in the Old Testament named Solomon, and everyone who knew Solomon uh, thought that he loved God. I mean, he was the son of David. David was the king before Solomon, and everybody knew that David loved God. No doubt his son 
Solomon loved God as well. And so Solomon really kind of advertised how much he loved God. But God knew his heart. God knew it was happening under the skin. Go with me back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 Kings 3.3 says this, Now Solomon loved the Lord. I mean, everybody knew it. Solomon loved the Lord, of course. Walking in the statutes of his father, David, except, here's the exception clause, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Which means he also burned incense and did sacrifices for other gods rather than the one true God. And this habit of his, to kind of have a little bit of an exception clause with his relationship with God, with his love relationship with God, led him down a path where he just went further and further away from God. Matter of fact, by the time we get to the end of Solomon's reign, listen to what happens if you jump over to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughters of Pharaoh. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely, here's why you shouldn't do it, they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. That, that's a lot, of, a lot of women in his life. Let's just put it out. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Do we have exception clauses in our love for the Lord? In our walk with Him? You know, Lord, I'll give you, I will give you this much of my life, but, but no more. Lord, I want you to know I love you, but I'm not going to surrender that part of my life to you. I'm not going to give you this part of my life to you. I'm not giving it up, Lord. If we're going to walk by the Spirit, people have to see in us that unlike Solomon, you and I have the wisdom to be wholly devoted in our hearts to the Lord. To rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, Lord, where do I have an exception clause? Where do I say I'm not letting you into that part of my life? And then ask Him for His help to erase that exception clause so that His love will shine through us brightly and the world will know that we are followers after Him by our love. So, let me, let me end this section of love with uh, a bold question for all of us to answer. Is our whole life defined by love? Is our whole life defined by love? Speaking of love, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 
and verse 14. Let me show you how much I love it. I highlighted it in my Bible. See that? Bright pink. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all, all that you do be done in love. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> Don't really mince words with that one. You know when that's the hardest to do? When we're kids. When we're kids. I mean, I remember when, you know, those of us who are grown-ups, we were kids at one time. And I remember as a kid, I used to play Little League Baseball. And uh, I got to tell you, I loved playing baseball, except for one year. One year, my team that I was on lost every single game. That was terrible. Um, to add injury to insult, my younger brother, my little brother, who's a year behind me, Nathan, his team at the same time was number one. They're like winning everything. So my little brother's winning. I'm totally losing. So you know how I handled it? I got mad. Of course I got mad, you know? I mean, and first of all, it must have been my coach's fault. So I hollered at him. I'm 12 years old. Why aren't we winning any games? What's going on? And he tried to, you know, make me feel better. And I played catcher. So I love playing catcher. And so as catcher, I could see everything that's going on in the fields. And I got to tell you, as I, as I was there, I was, I was watching the plays and how the, my teammates were messing up. And what did I do? What are you doing? You got to throw it to second base. Come on. I, I like, you know, got mad at them. I harassed them. Honestly, I, I wasn't... I wasn't loving others very well as a 12-year-old kid on a losing Little League team. I was stuck, I think, in self-pity. But the Bible speaks of how we're to love. Matter of fact, in the most famous passage in the Bible around love, it's oftentimes quoted and used in weddings, it's 1 Corinthians 13, and it, it describes love very well. But after it describes love, it's interesting what it says about when it comes to loving each other. Jump over to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Listen to what this says. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. This is right in the context of love. If we're not loving with our whole lives, then it's time to grow up. It's time to not stop acting like children and start loving. Let everything that we do be done in love. Well, let's move on to joy. Uh, I think a really easy question to start out with is, where does our joy come from? You know, I mean, if we are joyful people, where does our joy... And you know, we have the cliche answer. We've got the pat answer. Of course, you know. Our joy comes from the Lord, of course. Well, that's hopefully true. But the reality is, joy comes from a lot of different places. People can find joy in their families. They can find joy in their work. People can find joy in their friends, in their hobbies. There's so many places where people can find joy. Joy, 
just basically means a gladness of heart. The Apostle Paul found joy in hearing that the church in Philippi, the Christians in Philippi, in the book of Philippians chapter 1, he finds joy that he hears that they're telling people about the good news of, of Jesus. In 3 John verse 4, the Apostle John says he finds no greater joy than, than to hear that those that he has mentored are actually walking in the truth. There, there's so many places that, that we can find joy. However, um, when we think of Jesus, does it tend to bring a gladness of heart to us? When we think of Jesus in our lives, does he seem to bring a gladness of heart? And remember, James 1.17 clearly says that those things in our lives that seem to bring us joy, whatever they are, if they're a good and a perfect gift, it's given to us by God himself. And so, when we think of the joy that may be in our hearts, I hope we couple that with a thankful heart to our God who gives us so many good gifts. Well, follow-up question, though, is this. Uh, what steals our joy? Because there are joy killers out there, aren't there? There are things that can kind of destroy our joy. You know, they, they, who, what, no matter what it is or who it is, they, they, they can take our joy away. So let me take, to, take you to a place where there was a time of such great joy and then that joy was just robbed. That joy was just taken away. Go back with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 6. 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. It says this, And it happened as they were coming, that would be the Israelite army, when David returned from killing the Philistines. So the Israelite army routs the Philistine army because David kills the Philistine. You know who that was? Goliath, that's right. David slays Goliath. So this is a great time. And the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. King Saul was on the throne. There it goes Saul, then David, then Solomon. So King Saul's on the throne. And they come out, they're dancing, they meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. By the way, before I go on, a great way to express joy is through music. I think God gives us the gift of music in order to express our joy to Him. And this is what the women were doing. Look at women sang and they played and they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Here's the joy killer. Then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. But to me, they've ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Jealousy. Anger. Fear. Self-pity. These kinds of things steal our joy. If we walk in the Spirit... Joy and jealousy cannot occupy the same space. If we walk in the Spirit, joy and anger, or joy and fear, or joy and self-pity, they cannot be in the same place at the same time. We, of all people, 
ought to be the ones that display a gladness of heart. We've got to stop being grumpy, basically. We've got to be people of great joy. The Spirit must shine through us with the fruit of joy. So how do we express joy? How do we express joy in our hearts? That's the next question. I love the expression of joy in Israel when Solomon was anointed king. So we got Saul, then David, then Solomon. Listen to the great joy that was happening in Israel in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 40. So Solomon is anointed king, and everybody comes out, and they're just celebrating that Solomon is now king. And it says in 1 Kings 1.40, all the people went up after him, after Solomon, and the people were playing on flutes and rejoicing with great joy so that the earth shook at their noise. Man, can you imagine? There was so much celebrating, so much joy being expressed that the earth like shook because they were so happy. They were so glad of heart. And we can, when we gather together to worship, we're really gathering to express our joy in the Lord. We're really gathering. When we, when we sing, we're, we are here to express corporately our, our joy. The reality is joy can be expressed corporately. We see it over and over again in the Bible. We do it every week. But joy can also be expressed on an individual level. Joy can be kind of intimate, kind of inside of us. Life can be difficult. Life can be very hard. And yet if we know that the Spirit of God is working in our lives, if we, if we can see Him actively working, the Spirit of God will bring about the fruit of joy. So have we known this fruit from the Spirit called joy? Would the world see it in us? I hope so. Well, finally, let's talk about peace. Peace. I want to take you back to 2005. It was May, and I was at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, back then, they used to call it Pastors Week. It was a week-long conference for pastors. They've now shortened the conference up, so they, now, they, don't, they don't call it a whole week. They say it's the Pastors Conference. But back then, it was the Pastors Week, and uh, this, uh, the auditorium is huge. There's you know, like 1,700 pastors and, and Christian workers in, in this auditorium. And uh, they had this couple from Ohio, this pastor and his wife from Ohio, who shared their testimony. They were telling of their daughter, Lindsay Cutshaw, and her fiancé, Jason Allen. There's a picture of them. Uh, that couple went out to Northern California to work at a Christian camp. They were planning on getting married, and they were uh, thinking about working in Christian camps, and they were out there. And as they were there, they, they had some time off together, and they went to one of the beaches on the ocean in Northern California to uh, gaze up at the stars, lay on the sand and look up at the sky, at the beautiful sky on the ocean. And that night in August of 2004, they never left that beach. Well, not physically, because some crazy guy came there and brutally murdered both of them. This couple, the Cutshaws, they were sharing 
just nine months after that incident of their intense pain that their daughter was murdered and her fiancé. But they kept talking also in a sincere way about the goodness of God in the midst of it all and how God was their strength, how God carried them. The Spirit of God was what they were clinging to. And in that room, you could literally hear a pin drop as they were sharing. And then I don't know how it happened. I, I honestly don't know how it happened. It just was a spontaneous eruption of singing. When peace like a river attendeth my way. And then it just roared in that place. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my life, we stood up, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. There was not a dry eye in the place. How could this couple, who had just lost their beautiful daughter and his Wonderful, her wonderful fiance. How, how, how could they talk the peace of God in the midst of that very difficult time? It's unexplainable apart from the Holy Spirit working in their hearts. Do you and I have the fruit of peace deep down in our souls? Or do we have turmoil or unrest? Are there things that keep us up at night? Do we worry? Are we anxious? You know, as Christians, we have a tendency to put up a good front, to look like we have it all together, to, to uh, you know, kind of uh, just kind of act like everything's fine. But if we peel back the skin, if we look down in our hearts, do we truly have peace? Or, this question, are we pretending? You know, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he spoke the word of the Lord as all prophets do in the Old Testament. And uh, the Lord highlighted how we can pretend to have peace when in reality we don't. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, the word of the Lord says this, They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. You know, let's just sweep it under the rug. Let's not talk about it. Just get over it. Let's put up this nice pretty picture for everybody to see. In our day and age, we would say it's like playing church, you know? Like playing church where we, we put on a fake smile, we act like everything is just fine, when in reality we lack true quietness, true tranquility in our hearts, where we live a life of discontent, where we're not happy, we're not fully satisfied, where we have anxiety, 
where we truly don't know the kind of peace that Philippians 4, 7 says, where it's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that's guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is why here at this church, we don't like playing church. No, we, we want to make sure that we see what's under the skin. We want to make sure that we don't just kind of coast along here, but that we honestly get at it and not just kind of coast. So, we have things like character development classes or relational development classes or journey one or journey two classes. These are, these are classes, I don't have time to explain them all to you. You can go on our website and check it out. But it is where we say we're going, we're going deep, man. We're not just going to kind of act like we've got it all together. We're going to go at the heart and say, let's, let's figure this out together. In our home discipleship groups, also known as small groups, you know, traditionally known as small groups, uh, we, we come together, but it's not just to kind of you know, have tea and eat crumpets. I mean, we, we, are, we are here to go deeper with one another, to really have fun with one another, to know the joy of the Lord together, but, but to really go below the surface at a deeper level. Do you and I have the fruit of the Spirit shining through us? This fruit of peace, true, deep, lasting contentment, quietness that fills us from the bottom of our toes to the top of our heads. Do we have the Lord's peace in our life? And broader than that, would others see us as people who bear the fruit of the Spirit in these three areas we're talking about this morning? Do they see that we have the fruit of love, that we love well, that we love wholeheartedly? Do we have the fruit of joy, where we truly have a gladness of heart? And do we have the fruit of peace, where we truly are people that are content? As Christians, we are called to reach those who are far from God. What, would, what will draw people to the Lord is if they see the fruit of the Spirit in us who are followers of the Lord, where we display love instead of selfishness, where we display joy instead of jealousy or anger, where we display uh, peace instead of discontent. If we do that, God just might use us to reach people for Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, we have some special guests with us. I don't know if you realize this, but we have Amir and Bahar. And I hope I said your names correctly. They are from Iran, actually. They are followers of Jesus. Um, la uh, last Friday... They had Strangers and Exiles Conference down in Sheboygan, and they were there. And uh, they have an amazing story to tell of how the Spirit of God worked through Christians to bring them to salvation in Jesus. And so uh, I would love for you guys to come on up. Let's give them a warm welcome, and let's hear their story. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Bahar, and my husband, Amir Hossein. And we both born in Muslim family in Iran. 
And today we want to share with you how peace and love brought us to the God's kingdom. Uh, when I was born, my dad left the hospital because he was waiting for son and I was girl. He was very sad and he left the hospital and didn't come back to home for three days. When I was five years old, my brother born and they had a great party for him. So when I was only five years old, I understood uh, the girls, they don't have any identity in Iran, in Islam. When I was six years old, my mom started to teach me some basic Islam culture. And she told me I have to not to talk with any man if I want going to heaven. And she told me I have to have a hijab if I want going to heaven. And she uh, began to, uh, to teach me so many things, different things. And I tried to be a good girl. I tried so much. But I couldn't. It was very hard rules for me. When I was nine years old, I started to condemn myself because I was sure Allah is, don't love me because my hijab was bad. I was talking with boys. And I was sure I'm going to hell. So when I was 13 years old, I made the decision to cut my relationship with any kind of God. And I told to Allah, I hate you because you are sitting in your throne as a king and you love boys more than girls because the boys, they don't have a hijab and they can't talk with us. But you told me I am going to heaven, to the hell if I'm talking with any man. So I cut my relationship. It was a very bad mistake for me because when you don't have a God in your life, you can do so many bad things. So I, I start to have a very bad life. I had so many different relationships. I smoked so much. I was a very big lawyer. So many big things I did. When I was 21 years old, I met my husband and we became a couple. <laughs> Actually, in the Muslim family, the families choose the husband for daughters. But because I chose my husband, my mom was very angry and she pushed me always to divorce. So one day my husband came to me and he told me we cannot live here because your family asked us to divorce. So let's move from Iran for finding the better life, peace. And we moved to Turkey and we left, lived in Turkey for six years. When we moved to Turkey, we lost everything. We lost our family, we lost our jobs, our money. We've been very broken. I, I had so many stress in my life and no happiness, no one don't love us. I remember we, we were waiting for someone to say hi to us or hug us. It was very bad times for us, always crying. After two, two years in Turkey, we lost whole money and we had to spend 10 days in the street because we didn't have enough money to rent the apartment. And I remember we walked together and we've been talking about how bad situation we have. And one man came to us, Iranian people can recognize each other because of hair and eyes. And he came and he asked us, guys, are you from Iran? And we said, yes, we are from Iran. 
And he hugged us. Very warm hug. It was shocked with us. What's happening? And he, he told us, you look tired. Do you want to come to my home and drink some Iranian tea and some biscuit? And we said, yes, we want. Sure, we are tired. He was a very lovely man. He had smiled. I, and I, uh, we didn't understand what's happening. We thought maybe he's uh, crazy. He's a lawyer. We didn't know what's going on. When we went to his house, as soon we sat, I felt after 23 years, I felt some peace. And I asked him, what's happening in your home? I felt so peace here. And he told us, here is not my home. Here is home church. It was the first time we, are, we were hearing about church. And I said, okay, how you can be Iranian and how you can be Christian? And he said, you can be Christian. You can convert. And he started to share the testimony with us. But I was hate in very bad relationship with God. And I di didn't want to hear anything about God. And I told him, okay, God is good for you. It was not good for us. He has started to pray. Two weeks pray every day. He we found very good home. He prayed for us. We found very good jobs. He prayed for us. After two weeks, I remember I was very confused and very sad. And I surrendered in, into my our room. Amir was in the work, work center. And I said, Jesus, this Iranian man say you are Lord, you are God. And I, mom, my, and my family, they are saying Allah is God. I'm confused right now. Who are you? I hate you anyway. But if you are Jesus, come and touch me. I need you. I have so many stress in my life. And I cannot forget forever and ever. I cannot forget that. Jesus touched my shoulder. And he told me, Bahar, I love you. And I said, and I have so many stress I had. And I ran. And I went to my husband's job center. And I told him, I met Jesus in our home. He was over there. I want to become a Christian. And he told me, yes, I want to be, be a Christian also. We went back to the church and we said, we want to give our heart to the Jesus. After that, everything changed to our life, everything. Our stress done. So many happiness, happiness came to our life. I called my mom and I told her, I want you to come and visit us. He, she came and she felt the peace also. She is Muslim right now. Our family are Muslim, but they love us. And every time they need to pray, they ask us to pray for them. And today I want to say something to you. The reason we became a Christian was one hug, some biscuits, and a cup of tea. It was the reason for us to become a Christian. And I want to share, told, uh, tell you today, God wants work through you. Please let him do it. God wants to show his love through you to the people, to your neighbor. I want to share one verse with you. I love this verse. In Colossians 3.14 said, And above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Love can bond the lost people to the God's kingdom. Love bond me and my husband to the Jesus. God wants work through you. Open your arms and hug people, and you can give them the tea, and they can become a Christian. God bless you.
thank you for having us and when we following the news we hearing the Iran is big enemy for United States and in Iran the same in news they say same thing but this is real world but in God's kingdom we are brother and sister that is very different I was in same situation and I remember Bahar say somebody invite us in his house I knew a lot about Islam and I tried to defense from my knowledge and I asked so many questions of him and I had a big guard to don't hear him and share my knowledge to him for two weeks this man came in our home and shared the gospel with us every day, every day. After two weeks, he said, I don't want to continue this conversation. I want to cut and I just want to pray for you. Can I do it? We said, yes. When he prayed, wow, everything is changed. I want to say to you and encourage you, you have a gift Please use it. When you're praying, something happening. We are fruit of your prayer. We are here. God wants to show you when you're praying what's happening. And show us who prayed for us. And we say, thank you for your praying for us. God bless you.